1: we answer your questions. If you have a questions you want answered on this show, email us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Also, if you have a story you want to share, please email your story, which will inspire, educate those listening. If you want to be a guest on the show, please link to the video at the bottom of the show notes. Well, welcome uh, back. We have Justin Ash with us to answer questions. We're actually sitting next to a uh, simulator in which he instructs. And welcome back to the podcast, Justin. Thank you
2: for having me back, Carl. I really appreciate it. Always enjoy doing these, especially the uh, Q and A sessions. Get to answer people's questions. So, um, yeah at uh, over here at the sim building and uh, close to the airport might hear some noise yeah. out back too so
1: airplane noise is fun we like airplane noise yeah <laughs> <laughs> well anyway quickly before we start with some of the questions a few announcements uh aviationcareerspodcast.com we have courses there that you can find scholarships uh, career coaching and other technical courses some of the questions that are going to be asked today are about the scholarships you can go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses discover more don't forget on the the Courseware for the scholarships guy. We update that every month, and in this month we have. 29 updates and three new scholarships. So a lot of new updates to the scholarships guide that are coming out. Also, another cool thing, and I'll have a link to the show notes. Justin and I, we were just uh, looking at a video. As you know, I coach the flight team at Polk State College, and it's a National Intercollegiate Flight Association team. It's a safety conference where we actually compete, both in flying and also in ground events. And we put together a video for the uh for our banquet uh you actually got to preview that before we i actually showed it to the students so what'd you think about the video i thought the video was amazing it
2: um it brings back a lot of memories and and what i really enjoy with aviation so i um not going to a university affiliated flight school never had a chance to do it but it brings out that competitive side of me makes me want to go fly small airplanes so
1: yeah, maybe we'll have to grab you help help coach the team, the uh, since we're not far away. But uh, anyway, the uh, you can find that video. There's a link at the bottom of the show notes. Also, there's another link to another video, which I'm going to show Justin after we do this podcast. It's from the Embry Riddle flight team. It did a bang up job using drones and video cameras both in the cockpit and also outside the cockpit. Just some terrific video that we have from that competition. It's really inspirational. Everybody I think should watch it because even if you're not into the competition, it's really cool to watch people take off and land and compete in a landing competition. Anyway, let's get on with the uh, questions here. And uh, our first one comes in, and it's actually uh, someone who said we could use his name. says, my name is Kevin. I'm 25 years old, and I recently discovered the podcast while doing some research on the various avenues to becoming a pilot. It's been incredibly informative and helpful in many ways. I love hearing listener mail, knowing I'm not alone, when I get lost on where and how to begin my career. My backstory real quick, I wanted to fly since high school simply because it seemed fun. In my naive teenage mind, the Air Force was the only option to fly. However, with my colorblindness, that idea was quickly thrown out. I ended up getting a very generous athletic scholarship for a four-year college where I graduated in four years with a marketing and graphic design degree. Since then, I've landed a job in the field and it has been frustrating. I currently work two jobs as a landscaper and a warehouse worker with little to no excitement to go to work in the morning. One day while researching for jobs online, I kept coming across listing for pilots. With my dad sitting across the room, I jokingly said, hey, maybe I should just become a pilot. 30 to $40 an hour sounds pretty good to me. Anticipating him telling me that what a poor idea it was, I was brought back when he actually had some positive things to say about the idea. He graduated from Parks College as an aerospace engineer and currently works for Boeing. So he started explaining the pilot shortage and that if I was willing to put in the work and be able to manage working for little pay for a while, that it's something that is going to pay off in the end. Now I know it's not all about the pay, and I've thought about what my driving force for wanting to become a pilot is. I've concluded that even if I woke up every morning to fly a plane for the same low pay I make as a workhouse, warehouse worker, excuse me, I'd be happier. Since then, I've taken my time, listened to your podcast nonstop, and researched the realistic job market for low-time pilots to build time while being paid. After months of research and thinking, I've decided to pull the trigger and started my journey. I've signed up for an intro flight. On July 1st, by the way, this is uh, uh, June, I think, is when this was actually uh, sent to us. And uh, July 1st, and begin looking for ways to pay for flight school itself. My worst nightmare would be paying all this money, investing so much time into learning, only to be able to land a flying job, much like what happened with my college degree. Unable to land a flying job, excuse me. However, I found a small airport that has a flight school and offers an employee discount, allowing employees to learn to fly at cost of the airplane. I don't know much of discount, that is, but anyway, discount is a good thing, right? And it's shiz. Discount is a good thing. I'm still trying to find what specific field of fly I'd like to end up in. Corporate, airline, bush pilot, etc. While researching eat lifestyle and job type, I found careers flying flow planes for fishing outfitters in Canada. As a man who grew up in the Midwest as an experienced hunter and fisherman, nothing sounds cooler than flying fishermen in the Canadian wilderness. No matter where I end up, I'm happy as long as I'm in the sky. Again, I love the podcast. It's what gets me through the drag of working in the warehouse. My only complaint is that there aren't long enough and there isn't a new one every day. Well, I tell you what, we could actually have a new one every single day. And the reason being is that we have so many questions. But thanks for that feedback. And that is so cool that you're, you're finally reaching out and starting to go towards your passion
2: yeah absolutely kevin um sounds like you're starting down that journey and your dad gave you some good advice it's not going to be easy and uh the the payoff may not be in the shortest term but the long term payout and really even more so than the monetary side is being able to do something that you enjoy and i think carl with that i've Gone full circle and flying, gone all the way to the top. And now I'm actually doing more GA stuff than I've done in a number of years because I just enjoy being in the air, kind of like you said. And there's a lot of options. You know, if you enjoy flying float planes and doing that kind of stuff, I mean, you can go up into Alaska, Canada, do all kinds of cool stuff. So...
1: Interesting comment about the float planes. I was uh, actually on a coaching session with a client last night, and we were discussing float plane flying. There's an outfit actually in Fort Lauderdale in Florida. They're all over the place. I mean, more and more float plane operators are popping up, not just in Alaska. I think we always think of Alaska, but they're actually, it's happening here. It's, they're going to the Bahamas, to the Keys. So if that's your passion, check it out, try it out. You never know, it might actually be your final step where you might wind up for the rest of your career.
2: Well, and you can always end up uh, doing your own thing with it, too. I used to know a gentleman, you probably know him, Carl, that he flies down near Sebring. He's got a J3 Cub. He goes back and forth every year. He'd fly it up to Alaska. Six months up there, he would teach, he would do what he wanted to do. When it got too cold, he'd fly back to Florida. He'd teach down there, and, I mean, he absolutely loved it. And he had his own little J3 Cub on floats and ran his flight schools in the north
1: and south. So uh, another example uh, to help you out, make a decision, is some people like to do banner tow. I know some people get bored with it, but some people like it. And I have a friend that he did that. And he was actually up north doing the banner tow up north when it got cold, came down south. So there's so many different things you can do in aviation. It's not just the airline jobs. It's just that there's so many people hiring in the airline uh, world, and also it's not a bad place to be because you get a lot of days off and the opportunity, like you said, to do more GA flying. And uh, you actually you do some instructing, is that right, Justin? On the I did. Well, okay. I've always been
2: a CFI um, for over 12 years now, so I'm not doing as much instructing right now. I do have small airplane series cirrus um, around and really enjoy that. And that's more of my GA stuff right now. But I'm looking at getting more into it because I just I find the more I do it. Um, that competition video you showed me, <laughs> that, that stuff just gets the, the hair
1: on the back of my neck up. I, I love it. That's awesome. That really is awesome. So you can tell we're still uh, passionate about aviation. Going back to one of the things you did say in your letter, though, you mentioned uh, 30 to $40 an hour, and that's pretty good. Just remember when they're quoting that, uh, you can basically multiply that by 1000 That's kind of what you're going to make per year. I know you can make more than that, doing a little overtime. But to be conservative, multiply by 1000 because that's going to be the most... That you can fly. Most jobs you multiply by two thousand to get your actual annual salary. So if you're making forty dollars an hour, that's eighty thousand a year. But as a pilot, it's more like forty thousand. Uh, you can add maybe ten to twenty percent in the real world because you're going to do some overtime. But just be conservative. Remember, that's that's thirty to forty thousand a year, not going to be eighty thousand a year. I think some people get get a little confused there. But uh, good point. Thanks for the email. I appreciate it. Um, anyway, moving on to our next email. Uh, it says. Um, I was looking for some advice, and I recently got accepted to the University of Dubuque in Iowa. There I'll be attending their flight program with, that includes all my ratings to commercial and CFI while getting a bachelor's degree. This is where I need advice. I'm 23, married with two kids, and I make good money driving a truck, but it was a temporary job that became Permanent And believe me, I know what that's like. <laughs> I just want to know if this would be a good idea to leave my current job and go to school full time and fly as much as possible to get to my end goal of flying with airlines while I'm still young. My wife is 100% on board with it, but I feel a little selfish to be going back to school. But at the same time, I feel more energized than ever, wondering if any of the aviation career hosts had any similar experience with this in advance, uh, and any advice on the uh, podcast, and also we really love the podcast. Hey, I appreciate that. Uh, I do have uh, a similar situation where my wife actually—I told her I wanted to change jobs in aviation, and uh, she said to me, "Yeah, go for it." Uh, and we took a big, big hit in pay um, at less, more than fifty percent hit in pay. And she was like, "Listen, do it." I felt a little selfish at the time. That happens. I mean, you're in that that you know husband wife relationship there's give and take right justin yeah, absolutely <laughs> and yeah. and you have to do that at all times one of the things too is that you know when i started out in this career as a flight instructor same thing happened i felt a little bit selfish but but you're not you're doing something that you really like and when you're doing something that you love a passion then it actually helps other people because they can feel that yeah. and you're a very good example for other folks i think you know, working a job that's miserable and you hate is not a good thing. You have a little more planning to do because of the fact that you're married with kids. Yes. And when that happens, and I know, Justin, you have children too, you can't make moves like, like you would if you were single, right? You
2: can't. And it's hard. We all, we all kind of went a different path. I was, uh, you know, kind of went the less expensive route um, at the time. And the four-year schools can be fantastic; they really can, because the the big thing now too is, if you go to a school that's not affiliated with the university, sometimes you don't add that degree component. Mm-hmm. Um, so just make sure you research your options. Maybe the school uh, with the bachelor's degree is the best option for you, but if you know money's a little tighter, you can look at maybe an independent school that's a little less expensive and do a degree online, something like that. All kinds of options out there. My best advice to you. Is I spent about 10 years building my career, and uh, my wife was on board the entire time. But I always made sure that she was in a place at home where she felt at home. That way, when I was out on the road building time, doing the things I needed to do uh, to advance my career, she was at home with family and uh, family and friends. And that, that's something that's very important as well.
1: So, Justin, to speak to that, so you actually were married when you were working at the regionals making little pay?
2: Yeah, so I started out, I met my wife when I was in college, and I was a CFI. I was basically where he's starting out. And she went on to kind of have her career and work and let me build mine up. And I just, um, I never moved her from where she was from. And her family was there, her friends were there. And I look back on that and it worked out really well because even though I was gone, she was home with family and friends, and that made a big difference, um, I think, for her, because the career has its ups and downs for sure.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, an important point is that you have to, you know, you're thinking as a unit. But I tell you what, in this question, I, I get this question almost every week and I'm coaching folks that have the same situation. You're not alone. Believe me, there's other people out there. You just have to do a little more planning just like you did. Right.
2: And that's it. You're not alone and you just have to make sure you look at what's right for you because what's right for you may not be right for the, the person that isn't married with two kids or whatnot. So that's, it's definitely doable. There's so many options in this business right now, and so many options to get into this business.
1: Oh, sure, sure. So. Um, and even if, uh, and, and to add to that point, even if you uh, can't work certain days of the week because of religious beliefs, uh, people are are making certain compensations for that. I mean, they're 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 allowing people to actually work or not work on certain days, which you never saw before in the airline business. Yeah. Uh, certain regionals, especially, are doing that, which is is wonderful. Well, they need us. Yes, <laughs> yes, they do. They actually need <laughs> us this time. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to stay that way for a while. Obviously, with a recession, that changes the, the dynamic. Uh, but you still, we have a growing population. We're still going to need pilots. Uh, the, and I don't really, I see this as a, a avenue of, of transportation for many people going forward, not just for people that have a lot of money. The ticket prices have actually come down. They haven't gone up. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yep. And uh, that means more people can afford it as inflation increases so it's a wonderful thing but anyway thanks for that question Uh, moving on to the next question it says uh, hi i was wondering if you have any scholarship info in your scholarships guide for canadian scholarships and grants as you're well aware, it's very costly, and I'm looking for some guidance. So this transition and training is less of a stress on my family financially. Thank you for your help. Uh, we do have a couple in there. We're not focused on the Canadian uh, scholarships, but we're trying to do more and more internationally. Uh, we're having some issues just keeping up. Uh, I guess it's a blessing in disguise trying to keep up with all the scholarships sent to us. Uh, so that's a good problem to have. Um, but I really feel that we will have more and more Canadian scholarships obviously being right close to the to the border there. A lot of companies we work with actually work in the training environment in Canada, uh, one of them being Redbird, and they've been very helpful in helping us find some scholarships for some of the Canadians. So, yes, they'll definitely be out there. Justin, did you get any scholarships when you went to college, by the way? I did not. I, uh, I
2: was lucky. My uh, Well, I say like my father coming from the business, he... He was able to kind of guide me, and I also uh, knew I started kind of saving early. So I, I, I did it, um, was able to do it without a lot of scholarships or, or financial aid. So,
1: And just remember that anybody can apply for scholarships, you know, yeah. uh, and it uh, doesn't matter how much money you have.
2: Well, and when I came through kind of dating myself, there wasn't as many at that point in time. Pilots were, there were so many at the time. I mean, when I remember when I interviewed for my first job, there was 400 of us in line for 20 positions and that's not what it is. So I think there's more maybe available today as well.
1: You know, it's interesting. You you made that point because there are so many more scholarships available, and I know Russ uh, Banchu, He's the person that puts together our scholarships guide, and does a bang up job. But they, it's it's hard to keep up with them now, and and that's terrific. Uh, whereas before, trying to find a private pilot scholarship was almost impossible for people to find. Now there's so many out there, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to the next question. Um, And then, just I'll let you read the one after that. So it says here, and remember, this is going back to uh, uh, June, uh, July frame, uh, time frame. Uh, So this email says, thanks for sharing. So it's a great story about your dad. If you remember, I I talked about my dad who passed uh, about six months ago in one of the podcasts. So I appreciate your your, uh, mentioning him. Uh, He he continues. He was truly an honorable person. Actually, most people are not so fortunate to have nice parents to learn from. Me either. People say there is a great wife behind a great man, and I believe a person who has a great career must have a great family behind him or her. In the beginning of my flight courses— I had really been struggling a lot by being extremely nervous with very slow progress and lack of confidence. I was too young to figure out why until one of the instructors pointed out that I must have very strict parents forbidding me from exploring different things. His guess was right. After I got my license, I decided to give up my dream because I know I cannot overcome my own psychological obstacles and there is still a lot of challenges ahead in airline careers. There are some other personal issues, but I can't go into detail. I really admire you and your good relationship with your family. I remember one of my flight classmates had struggled in his early stage of flight. I got my commercial pilot already, and one day I took him flying. On our windy final leg, I can sense his pressure, so I joked to not laugh at me if I had a poor landing. Both of us relaxed in the cockpit and landed the airplane smoothly. After that, he seemed to have flown without big issue. And I heard one of my friends say he's doing a, a pilot job right now. That's terrific. You know, when you mentioned your dad took a nap in the cockpit when he took him flying, I think it really has provided some very helpful mindset and positive influence through your career. The point is not necessarily to get so intense when flying. Somehow we bring too much unnecessary burden on ourselves. Thanks for sharing your stories and they really inspire us. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate uh, the email, and thanks so much. And, yes, I did learn a lot from my father, especially uh, working under pressure, uh, especially when he was in, working in the emergency room. But one of the things you said I, I, about that is people get worked up. And I know Justin is a simulator instructor uh, at the airline. And I'm sure that you see people that work themselves up into a tizzy where they just almost look like they're going to explode.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they um – it's, it's easy. It's especially if you're doing you have uh, students that are in some sort of Jeopardy event or check ride or new hire training, things of that nature. And they do. And And my best advice is what you kind of said in the email. Just relax and enjoy it. I, uh, You'll hear me say in the cockpit, I say, just just go back to what you know, you know, just don't don't let. Because what I find, too, is what gets them is when they start getting behind maybe the automation or, you know, whatever's going on. I say, you know, just go back to what you know. Take a deep breath. Go back to what you know. If you need to take 10 or 15 seconds just flying straight and level, to get, you know, get back there. Don't let yourself get worked up. And um, that's the key with any, any level of flying, you know, basic flying all the way through commercial. You got to stay relaxed. You got to do what you know how to do and um it sounds like you did that with that landing with your friend you know you just were and as soon as you become relaxed you kind of just do what you're supposed to do and and that's that's the result of good training and and a good mind frame
1: you know one of the things to add to that recently uh we had a, a mechanical issue on a flight and one of the things we did is we slowed down how do you slow down well you bring the thrust lever back or the throttle back you know, you can do that in flight. Some people forget that. Just slow down. Mm-hmm. You can slow the plane down, whatever it is. So there's not too many things you have to do quickly in an airplane. And, and sometimes we put stress on ourselves we don't need to. Exactly. And in and, and the training environment especially, you see that. You know, oh, yeah.
2: They, well, they come in already nervous, yeah. you know, and, and, it's, and I, you can always tell. And, then, and that's what I try to do with it, is I'll slow everything down. Right. I'll even
1: slow it down for them, and then usually the nerves kind of go. Yeah, and that was a great podcast we did with you as far as, you know, getting ready for training. And, you know, a lot of times, I'm not sure we talked about this. A lot of times we try to please the instructor too much. And just remember that's your teacher. I know we all want to please a teacher, but make sure you, you, you concentrate on what you're doing and don't get nervous, because they've seen even worse than whatever yeah. you can do. <laughs> Usually, so,
2: yeah, it's not. Or we've seen it so many times <laughs> that it doesn't phase us right, anymore. Right. You know, I'll get that too. I bet you never seen that before. I'm like, I've been sitting back here a while. Yeah. I've, 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 seen, seen, that before, I've so. seen that happen before. I've seen that happen before. You know, it's, it's not as big of a deal to us sometimes as the student may think it is. So. Right.
1: You wanna read uh one? yep, absolutely. On to the next one. Go ahead.
2: So on to the next one. It says I recently stumbled upon your podcast, and although I'm very far away, I just wanted to write to thank you for doing what you do. It's great to hear such a positive voice in the industry, especially those from experienced and passionate people. I'm in Australia at the beginning of my journey towards a commercial helicopter license, and from all that I've heard and read from an Australian perspective, it's a particularly tough road ahead. And not that I have any particular region. Has got it easy, although the industry here is particularly small. I'm willing to give it a try and despite the obstacles, after all, you've got to be in it to win it. I only hope I meet people such as yourself and your guests to guide me along the way. Episode ninety-six was Sal Frangoso, and episode one seventy-nine with Pam Landis did a great deal to motivate me to dust off my books and get back into
1: the studying. Well that interestingly, you talk about Australia and the industry is the same no matter where you go. There's just little differences in the rules, but we all do the same job. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's terrific that he wrote in. By the way, the two episodes you're talking about, uh, both of those people are still mentoring uh, folks in aviation and also in flying helicopters. Uh, Pam Landis, of course, uh, just a a modicum of information, been involved in helicopters in the publishing industry and helicopters for years. Uh, It's been a great resource. and of course, Sal just excited about his job, and I, I just love those those episodes where people can bring forth their passion for what it is they're doing. So, don't give up on wanting to fly helicopters, and in, in Australia, uh, and remember, you know, there's there's ways to come to the U.S. if you want to build hours less expensively, uh, and also some of the regionals are actually hiring some people with Australian certificates. Uh, you can look at some of the regionals that are helping you to move here and we'll actually sponsor you to come to the U S yeah. which is terrific. Something new and exciting. I think well, let's, uh, next one here. And, uh, this is a great one. Uh, cause I, I think uh, Justin and, uh, and both of us can talk to this. Um, first of all, he says, thank you for having this podcast. I listen weekly and really enjoy it. I was curious if you could talk a little bit about functional check flights at the airlines. Months back, my crew was in Central America at a hotel and ran into some pilots from a major carrier that were in town to pick up an aircraft from Depot Maintenance, or whatever the airlines call it. You've talked about the training side of the airlines. Is there a technical side or members who are designated to do functional check flights on aircraft and accept them after maintenance is performed? Last question, does it go to members with relatively high seniority? Thank you again for the great podcast. Now, from what my experience has been, uh, it depends. Uh, it depends on what the type of, of test flight it is. And every airline has different rules. Uh, for instance, I was able to do on the Airbus the ADSB in and out acceptance testing for the FAA as a first officer. I was chosen for that because they just needed someone to swing the gear, and the chief pilot didn't want to go flying that night because it was minus 20 degrees. So that's how I got chosen for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> usually <laughs> that, I, and I lucked out for that. But as far as the, the – usually a lot of times it will go to a Czech airman or somebody that actually ha- has been trained in doing some of those test flights. Some airlines have other people they hire to do some of those test flights.
2: Yeah, and that's – that's my experience as well. I um, When I was at my last airline, I was a line check airman, so I was able to do a lot of test flights. Would get, hey, we need you to go out and check this or that. And it also depends to your uh, question about seniority. That really depends. A lot of airlines do different things. Um, some airlines mandate that it has to be a pilot on the seniority list. Other airlines will hire outside pilots that will actually do their aircraft ferrying for them if it's not part of their collective bargaining agreement or CBA. So as far as seniority goes and all that, and it, are they actual technicians? And then there are some technicians, some um, FCF flights, you actually have to have a maintenance tech on board, some you don't. So there's it's, it's a, a multitude of different variances depending on what situation and all the way even what the
1: CBA says and how they have to handle it. So that's actually, a it, that question you asked is a really good one, and I guess the best answer is it depends, but but it's usually people that have some experience in the airplane, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, it's usually, it's generally going to be your line check airman with a maintenance tech. If it's something extremely complicated, maybe they bring in an outside person, but yeah, I would say, and then depending on line check airman or possibly outside hired, but yeah, your line check airman get to do a lot of that fun
1: stuff. <laughs> And it is a fun – they are fun flights, that's for sure. As a matter of fact, uh, I've told the story a bunch of times, but during my flight, uh, I was sitting there in the right seat. I started putting pushing buttons, and I turned it off, and they started <laughs> freaking out on me. And I was like, wait a minute, make him fix it. I actually was able to fix it, thank God. Uh, it was uh, it was kind of scary. But I do remember the, ta- the captain looking at me and saying, don't uh, – well, I won't repeat what he said, but he said, basically, don't touch the flight controls again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. Don't touch anything. Leave any, everything sit there is, it, is. Me, yeah. <laughs> it was fun, though. It was all in jest. They, they had a good time. But uh, anyway, let, I think we have time for one or two more here. Uh, f- next question says, uh, good morning. I'm wondering if your site and product list scholarships that are suitable for student pilot in the U.K. Or are they – only eligible for US pilots. If not, can you recommend a good source for scholarships in the UK slash Europe? We don't have uh, many scholarships at all for the UK right now. Like I said, we're primarily uh, in the US, but we are trying to branch out. It's just that there's a couple other podcasts out there um, that are across the pond, those type of things, that talk about UK and actually UK flying. So you can usually find those scholarships on their website there. So uh, Just go check those out. They're really, really good stuff. Let's do it. I tell you what, we have time for one more question, so we'll, we'll uh, do that one. It says, uh, hey, Carl, I'm from Brazil, currently getting my glider license in a f- local flying club. i listened to a lot of the older podcasts regarding Part 141 and Part 61 schools, colleges, et cetera, and a lot about financial choices and such. However, I do have a burning question. How likely is it for an airline in the U.S. to hire a foreign-born pilot? I'm researching loans in school so I can get all my ratings in Florida. Would really like to fly for a regional airline. All appraised to my school and the pilots in Brazil, but it's cheaper and more effective to train in the U.S., I lived in Michigan and Tampa for about a year, so I'm roughly familiar with the dynamics in the USA. Uh, First of all, there is a person that's been on the podcast before that is a Brazilian pilot that was working here in the U.S., and uh, he actually is going to be back on the show to talk a little bit about that. Uh, He went back to Brazil to work, but they do hire people from other countries that are here in the U.S. working. As a matter of fact, Justin, since you're in the training department, have you run across any of those folks that are actually foreign-born, have a foreign uh, pilot certificate? Uh,
2: Every day. I mean, well, for the airline, they have to obviously convert it to U.S., but they have the original certificate. I flew, my last company I flew at, we employed... I, I would say 30% of our pilots, and I mean, we were a 121 airline, 30% of our pilots, give. I'm just making that number up, but it's somewhere in that ball, but we're foreign-born pilots. I mean, we had a great mixture. They came from all over a lot of South American pilots. And um, especially now, you know, as well as I do with the demand in the market, um, as long as you have the conversions, especially if you do your training in the U.S. and you have those certificates, you're not going to have any problem. I, at least I, I wouldn't think you would.
1: Yeah. And one of the things you have to look at, too, is that you're already being sponsored while you're here and then moving on is a little bit easier because you have the network while you're here. Oh, yeah, the sponsors. Uh, problem is when you go back to Brazil or whatever country, you're not here physically. So if you're thinking about coming here, it's not a bad idea to jump in on a school in the US because again it's all about networking in this career just in general absolutely
2: well and a lot of them have those really good
1: flow programs now and stuff too that you might be oh, able to take advantage yeah. of. and so. and the flows are, are terrific like I said some of those flows actually might even take longer than you getting hired at an airline there's a lot of different training programs I know the airline I work for has one most of the airlines are doing them now uh, there are times when you can actually do it quicker yourself amazingly enough. Going back also, speaking of uh, schools here, is look at also in the US at having a, a degree, like a four-year degree. Um, and just I'd like you to talk a little bit towards this, is that when you look at applicants and people coming in, I don't know if you get these stats or if you see them, some of them do have degrees, some don't. Uh, but for the most part, to be competitive, you really should have the, a two-year and a four-year degree, especially. Yeah, you... At the regional level, you
2: can get on. The degree is not as important. However, if you, mo- as most of us want to advance to major legacy carriers, you really need the four year degree. I can say um, the carrier I'm currently working for, uh, I don't. I haven't come across anybody that has come through without a four-year degree that I can think of off the top of my head. And that, and that's just because they want those credentials, and, and that's been kind of a staple for a long time. So
1: Yeah, there's very few. I mean, I do fly with guys that don't have a four-year degree, but uh – uh, one of the guys I flew with had 25,000 hours. Uh, so, you, you know, you could do that. Go that route. Get your 25,000 hours. That's a bit longer yeah. than getting the four year degree, though. <laughs> easier to get the four year degree. J- yeah. Especially <laughs> now online with everything. It's, oh, my you know. gosh. And that's for sure. And I, I love that you mentioned that. There's other folks that have been on this podcast that uh, have done the same thing. They've gotten their two year degree, went to a regional. While they were there, they got their four year degree. You just have to be disciplined and make sure that you put a, this balance in life. The work, yep. I finished family. my
2: four-year degree online. Oh, did I you? I finished the last almost two years online oh, wow. from the University of Central While Florida. While you were flying? Son. Yep. Oh, no While kidding. While I was flying. Wow. Wow. So, That's interesting. Yeah, I so. finished it. I was hauling freight at the time and oh. uh, just building time, and I finished online. Wow. So I'd haul freight at night. I'd leave at like 8 p.m., uh-huh. get in at like 2, 3 in the morning, get up in the morning, do my studies from, you know, 9 to maybe noon, 1 o'clock, take a quick nap, eat some dinner, and go out
1: haul free. Wow. Freight. Wow. So. so you'd be a good example of that. So, yeah. You know,
2: yeah, it takes discipline, like you said. But it's nice because it's doable. You're building time. And it gives you a ton of options as to what you get your degree in. that's what I liked with it, too, because I actually ended up getting a degree completely outside of aviation. So,
1: Right. Wow, that's interesting. Well, And and there, so there's a good example of somebody who did that. Uh, so just a, a good comment on that. You really should think about uh, getting that degree. It's really, really important to uh, – to move forward easier in your career, I know right now there's a big shortage. It's mainly uh, the shortage is really is at the regional level, on the, on the major level, they're taking people a little bit less qualified. I know people at my airline that were getting interviewed without a degree, but it's uh, you better have some pretty amazing credentials if you don't have that degree. That's for sure. Well, Gosh, uh, Justin, I think that's about it for the time we have, and uh, I appreciate you you sitting down and are actually sitting here overlooking a runway, which is really cool, and sitting next to. A simulator, and that's I mean, what's better than that?
2: Absolutely, no, I enjoy it, <laughs> and uh, it's beautiful down here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, today, days like today, to watch airplanes and it's 70 degrees and sunny outside, doesn't get much better than that. No,
1: it doesn't, it really doesn't. Well, uh, again, Justin, thanks for uh, coming on again. We're going to – if you have questions for Justin or myself, obviously go to feedback at com. I know a lot of people have questions for some of the previous hosts on the show. Uh, We don't publish uh, their email address a lot of times. So if you just send it to us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast, I can send them a private message and uh, and get that question over to them. And they may even answer it here on the podcast. So that would be really, really helpful for you. Also, one of the things that that I think really – I'd really like to inspire people to do, and I think you touched on it before, is like when you were watching that video, I noticed you getting really excited. I think we need to do that sometimes, is to remember where we came from. And and you're getting involved, Justin, in, in the actual general aviation. I think that's really important to go back to your roots and to remember that this is a fun job. Because every so often you fly with people, they're like, this is just a paycheck.
2: Yeah. Well, it is, and it's it's important because you you got into this for some reason, you know, and it's very easy as we go through life and the the kids and the family and all that, and we get focused and we forget kind of where we came from. And um, it is; those videos are awesome. I I watch I watch that video, and it just takes me back immediately. And uh, that's part of the reason I enjoy flying the Cirrus, not as much for myself sometimes, just taking up friends or, you know, I took my daughter up for the very first time and to watch her just explode. I mean, that I've got a <laughs> video cool. of that. I'll show you. It's, it's amazing. She's literally, I mean, she can't even contain herself, you know, and that excitement makes me excited awesome. about what I do, which is really nice.
1: Yeah, maybe we can put that on YouTube. Maybe, maybe, maybe Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) young YouTube star. I don't know if my (laughs) wife would like (laughs) that. No, no, she may not like that too much. But speaking of videos, go look at the bottom of the the show notes here. I have all those three videos I talked about how to be a guest on the podcast. If you know someone that you think will be a good guest on the show, send them the video explains how to come on the show i think justin you saw it and read it or looked at it and signed up to be a guest on the show that's it's exactly really easy. Right. uh and and justin's been very helpful and wanting to volunteer to help uh, with you and the listener with your career and i think that's terrific when the hats off also don't forget those other two videos the one is actually from memory riddle uh we put it on our our uh, youtube channel they don't have it up on the internet yet, but it was actually from the of competition. Also, again, gets you very inspired to watching these young people to going out there and competing and moving forward with their career. Plus, there's some really cool shots of airplanes. And who doesn't like that and some cool cool music to it. And, and don't forget to watch ours. And, and uh, again, I really appreciate... Justin, coming by, I appreciate you actually listening here. But one of the things I'd really like you to do now at the end of the podcast is if you're driving, obviously, you know, don't pull over unless you really want to. But I'd like everybody to do something today to move forward in their career, because if if you just listen and you don't take action, then you're going to be in the same spot that action may be something small and may be actually putting a list of things together that you need to do to get ready for your ch- career change. It may be just thinking about the next thing you need to do to get your next rating, or it might be listening to another podcast. But whatever it is, take just one step today to get closer to your career goal. We appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying.